Welcome to The Unranked, where we go mining for hidden gems in the prospect world. The Unranked is produced by Figure Filbert. Check us out at figurefilbert.com, where you can also find all the latest bargains from Dick Sporting Goods and other partners. Get your Little League team ready for the season. Stock up with our discounts. And now for this episode, here's our host, Matt Gardner. Thanks to our friends from The Spent. That's their song, The Highway. You can check them out at facebook.com slash The Spent or soundcloud.com slash The Spent. We definitely encourage you to check them out. They're a great band. All right. Well, here we are on episode one of The Unranked. And with us today is Mike Kregesis, our resident Canadian baseball expert. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. How's it going? Mike, we love getting the baseball season started, and the whole purpose of the unranked is to talk about super deep league prospecting. When we think about this, of course, we're trying to get sort of off the map and find players who are hidden gems deep beyond the 400 and 500 prospect lists that are out there. And part of the reason we do this is that you and I are in a bunch of super deep prospect leagues. So... Let's talk about that for just a second. We're in a handful of leagues together where people are rostering 30 teams at 30 to 40 prospects each. In a couple of those leagues, we even have people that have gone beyond their 40 prospects and stash extra prospects on their bench. Uh, Could you talk about how you set up your super deep league, Simply the Best, to sort of maximize prospect hunting? Uh, Sure. So with Simply the Best, we set out to get a whole bunch of managers that were really active first of all first off because we were kind of getting tired of non-activity basically right um so we set that up with uh with 40 minor league spots and 30 major league spots right now i'm in a big rebuild and let me just pull up my roster there it is so i'm all i don't even have a player in the majors right now um, 70, you've got 70 prospects on your roster then, 70 out of 70. I have, I have 70, I do. Um, yeah, what did we do here? We just had our, our first year player draft, and I, I scored Tyler Soderstrom, catcher for Oakland, uh, Anthony Servideo, Gage Workman, Isaiah Green, Garrett Mitchell, Jordan Nwogu, uh, who else did I get in that? Colt Keith, A.J. Vukovic, who you like. Love him. Uh, Arizona. Who else? I got Robert Boston in a trade from Oakland there. I'm pretty excited about him. I really loaded up on shortstops in this league. Um, who else? Kyle Nicholas from Miami. I, I'm really, really short on pitching in this league. So I tried to get a few guys. A little less known, but Kyle Nicholas, Tyler Brown, Houston, R.J. Dabovich, who's very uh, – the analytic guys really like him. Angel uh, – well, Jeff Hackinson. Um, yeah, 
So my pitching's not very good. I got Alec Marsh, who's kind of a hopeful to maybe throw some innings this year. <laughs> uh, your team's really good in that league. You, you're a competitor. Uh, Gerard Encarnacion from Miami, he might might debut maybe. Who knows, right? Yeah, that's like solid slugger profile, right? Yeah, but that's like the only only bad. Actually, I just I just dropped uh, Jorge Bonifacio. was my only hope to maybe sign somewhere and play. Actually had a bat. <laughs> yeah, but I dropped him for... I can't remember another prospect, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to uh, set up a league that was going to be really, really big in in prospecting and try and find some guys that uh, share the same kind of passion and in researching them like I do. I know you do, and uh, a bunch of other guys that are in our leagues. Yep, join this one with them. Yeah, a bunch of other guys join the league that were in a few of our other leagues, and uh, turning out to be pretty good. It's be nice to get a good season going. The full season. So, you know, uh, I've neglected my uh, fantasy baseball website, Figure Filbert, but I will post the draft grades that I wrote for Simply the Best on figurefilbert.com. So invite our listeners to have a look at, at those grades. And, and we gave your franchise, the Toronto Blue Jays, an A for this draft. And I, I actually highlighted some guys in that draft grade that you didn't even mention. So just before we get into this, the substance of today's conversation, can you give us a little bit of your thought on why you took Colt Keith and Casey Martin? Um, Colt Keith? I took him late. I took him kind of late, didn't I? I'm going to yeah. look at the – let me just get the draft results up if I can do that. I just like to look at the numbers and I can see what I was thinking at that time. No, I can't find it. He Anyways. Was, he was pick 91. You got him in the fourth round, so he fell. That's not bad. I like Colt Keith. I like he's an infielder. Um, he's got a decent hit tool. He's pretty young, though, right? How old is he? Hang on. 19, yeah, high schooler. You know what? Just with this team... I'm basically trying to go young and younger. And you know what I'm going to do with these young guys? I'm going to trade them away, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, a lot of these 19-year-olds, if they get any helium, like uh, Keith, I have Maximo Acosta on here from the Rangers. Basically, you know how I do this. It's like anybody's fair game all the time. Um, I really want to get into competing in this league fast. So a guy like Colt Keith, if he if he shows well, uh, him and Gage Workman from uh, Detroit, they're battling it out for uh, in the minors, and I'd like to maybe move a few of them if I could. Uh, or Elvis Martinez is another one. Uh, Noel V. Marte, he's got huge helium right now, but he might be one I'm hanging on to. Marco Luciano, C.J. Abrams. Uh, well, loaded up with some top-ranked studs in there. Yeah, you gave me a nice ranking. Those were actually really good rankings, by the way. I can't wait to uh, have other people read those. You, can, you should do that more often. Yeah, that was fun. So uh, let me give folks a little bit of context about this draft because it was a, a great excuse to go and do a bunch of player research. So we already had established rosters of 70, had to trim back to somewhere between 60 and 65, and that had a 10-round, 30-team FYPD, first-year player draft. So we were getting super deep, which is 
why I mentioned that when you're taking Colt Keith at pick 91 in the fourth round of a 10-round FYBD, you're deep. You're already deep. So uh, it's interesting that he fell like he did. He, he's going much earlier than that in other drafts I'm seeing and in much smaller leagues. So that seems like a bargain for sure. Vukovic is one of those guys that I love. He's in my, sort of my category of the unranked. And you got him right after that. You got him at 93 after trading for some extra picks. So uh, really terrific sort of uh, compiling there of young guys. And, and like you say, some of those guys are going to get helium in a year or two, and you're going to be able to trade two or three of them for a star. Oh, yeah, for sure. Casey Martin. When did I pick up Casey Martin? He was pick 64. Oh, he was a little early, but he's a good hitter. I like him. I took him in uh, Kenny Powers, too. Did you? They're saying he's a no-doubt shortstop. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hit. Yeah. So during this draft, I thought I had cornered the market on Logan Allens, and somebody burst my bubble. You remember that, Mike? Oh, what? You, I thought you had both Logan Allens, right? I have both. You had the Cleveland Logan Allens? There's apparently an outfielder in Tampa named Logan Allen, so I, I didn't get him. Uh, I'm short a Logan Allen. Oh, that's too bad. It's well, you know what? You can always make that deal, I think. <laughs> Anybody can make a deal with you, Matt. Or I could just wait around for the guy to drop him. Okay, so we're <laughs> going to post those draft grades on figurefilbert.com, and uh, uh, apologies for the lapse. You'll see how long it's been since... I had regular posts up there, but we've got a few of these kinds of articles to take off-season recaps and, and post them up. So that will help uh, liven up the, the activity on Figure Filbert. We appreciate the, the readership, so please make a comment. If you see anything you like, uh, look forward to your thoughts on, on uh, these draft grades and um, farm rankings and other things that we'll post up there. So Matt, on to Matt can I interrupt you? Yeah, please, Mike. So Royce Lewis. Mm. Are, you, are you hurting from that? Were you, were you expecting big things from him? You're a Twins fan. Um, it's heart, heartbreak here, Mike. We're, we're all broken up about it. You know, I traded for him and Kenny Powers this offseason, ready for his debut, and I thought the way the Twins were setting him up, he might get time at second, short, and center, and, you know, get that kind of multi-position eligibility and, and just be ready to fly, and I love the big bat. You know, you might recall... Yeah. Last spring training, when they showed up, he was getting timing tips from Josh Donaldson about his big leg kick, and, geez, it just looked great. Uh, he yeah. seemed like he was ready to fly. It's just really, really heartbreaking. And he slips on some ice. In Texas. Yeah. That's crazy. It's warm here in Canada, and you guys in Texas are, are uh, feeling the, the cold. That's incredible. It's just such a terrible break. And you hate to see it with a kid who's just about ready to... to I know, I've been, waiting, I've been waiting for him for years. Just, just a bad feeling. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if they're a uh, snake bit up there in Minnesota, but they've certainly had their trouble with, uh, with prospect injuries. So hopefully this is not a trend and, and he can nip it in the bud and get back out there. Are you going to trade him or are you going to hold on to him? Oh, no, I got to hold. I got to hold. Sure, because I might make you an offer. <laughs> yeah, I always love you know, young, kids, young kids heal. They heal pretty quick. They do. And, and you know, getting an offer is like going to the mailbox when you're a kid and getting mail. You know, you always love to, to get an offer. And then, like, as, as our friend Ryan says, sometimes you open the offer and it's just so disappointing. <laughs> I know. I don't know what to even offer you. I was thinking maybe Jeter Downs, but I know he might, he's probably going to play this year. And 
Ooh, Probably not be. anymore. That would be sexy. It would be, but not not now that you have a torn ACL on your side. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, sorry, I'm just, just teasing you. But. <laughs> just counting. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, there was a huge trade in that league in Kenny Powers this winter that was just loaded up with top prospects. So just before we get into today's topic, let's talk about that trade really quick. I traded with our friend Doug, in uh, manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, yeah. Traded him Dylan Carlson and a couple of arms for Mackenzie Gore and uh, Jaron Duran. And part of my thinking was Mackenzie Gore may never be this affordable again in dynasty leagues. So how would you yeah. grade that trade? How did I do, Mike? So you got rid of Carlson? Yeah, I moved Carlson. And I'm just going to pull up the trade here. I'll tell you who the two arms were in a second. But that was obviously a monster trade. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to pull it up here, too. What do we got? JT Brewbreaker and Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers, Miami. Brendan McKay. Who got Brendan McKay? You? Oh, no, that wasn't the same trade. Never mind. That was earlier. Yeah, Mackenzie Core, you got him cheap. I don't know, though. Did you make this trade before Arenado became a Cardinal? I did, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I think if Carlson uh, figures some stuff out, that that Aaron Auto trade is really gonna really gonna help him with Tommy Edmond batting around him and uh, and Goldie and Aaron Auto. I don't know. Uh, Gore's kind of log jammed, is he not? In San Diego with uh, who'd they get there? Uh, Hugh Darvish and uh, everyone. They got Lamette. Yeah, they, they got, got everybody. Yeah, they got uh, who's long haired guy there? Clevenger, but he's out all year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You don't lose too many trades, but um, I don't know. You might not win this one this year. You might not. As soon as the Arenado deal happened, that's exactly what I said to Doug, that he really (laughs) really gets a much bigger pop if Carlson's batting either second, fourth, or fifth now around those guys. Yeah, Doug probably knew it was coming. Doug's smart. You know what? If I join another Dynasty League ever, I'm just going to be like Doug. <laughs> Doug doesn't say much, and when he does, it's it's good. He, like if he offers, if he if he's interested in somebody I have, I know I should take a better look at that player. And I think I'm kind of getting that way with people. If I offer somebody something for someone, they kind of look at them, which is hurting me. So if I ever join a new league, I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> I'm not going to talk, and. I think that really kind of helps your uh, dynasty strategy, to be honest. Because the more you talk, the more you show that you're looking at things all the time, it, yep. it just kind of hurts you in the long run. But anyway, so- say this, Mike, but I'm a skeptic that you would be silent in a dynasty. <laughs> well, I have other leagues that I could be myself in, right? <laughs> It'd be a new, uh, a new project for me anyway. So you finally got one of your uh, players that we're going to talk about today from Doug. So I don't want to talk about that trade, but you just made a trade on Monday of this week with Doug. And you gave up Miguel Vargas. So let's not talk about the return until we get to that player, but did it hurt to give up Miguel Vargas? Uh, In that league, it didn't because I I already have um, Anthony Rendon at third. Uh, Cody Hosey, or Hosey, however you say it. I don't know. I think people are 
are liking him a lot more in LA right now than Vargas. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of options at third. I have uh, Rendon. I, all, I, I traded away Eugenio Suarez this year. But I don't know. I got Eduardo Escobar, who's apparently cut a bunch of weight in Arizona. But he's, he's going to be playing a lot of second base, but still he's third base eligible. Yep. Um, I have Yoshi from uh, Tampa, but he, he underwhelmed. But, yeah, no, I didn't, it didn't hurt me. I wanted the guy that I got. I really wanted him because he's on the 40-man. Getting time at second base helps that uh, dual position eligibility, too. That's a, that's a nice bonus. It does, for sure. And I didn't, you know what? I have Tommy LaStella at my second base right now, but signing in San Francisco, eh, I'm not too excited with that. But he's still uh, elite, uh, elite um, at bats. He has elite at bats, in my opinion. But yeah, is anybody? I, I Sorry. No, that's okay. I just think uh, I agree about Lestella. I just think it's uh, it's almost too bad when guys go to hit in the marine layer out west, right? They they just get that swampy air and it just kills the ball. Unless you're Barry Bonds. Unless you're Barry. Yeah. All right, so uh, what we're going to do on today's show is get into the whole purpose of the unranked, which is to talk about some hitters and pitchers that are not on most of those prospect lists that are out there that we love, that we think are worth taking a flyer on. In some cases, it might be because they're getting ready to, to debut this season. In some cases, it might be because they're, uh, they have a good chance of being risers in the next year or two. So for today's show, we've each picked one hitter and one pitcher. And uh, we'll give our views of those guys. And, and, Mike, let me ask you to start with your hitter. Who's your hitter for today? Well, my hitter is from an organization that I hate as a Blue Jays fan. He's from the Texas Rangers. Uh, he's an outfielder from the Bahamas named Zion Bannister. He uh, signed in 2019 for 835000 as a 19-year-old, or 18-year-old, sorry. I like the size of him. He's listed at uh, 6'3", 187, and I just think with uh, 20 more pounds, this guy, if you, if you watch, there's some videos on there. Uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter has a video of him at the Bahamas uh, Beach Home Run Derby. It's, it's a loop, and, and I could watch it all day. The guy's got monster power, it looks like to me. Um, I've also seen him in a few games. He only played six games last year uh, for rookie ball, but he's got a swing that he kind of – he has a leg kick for the most part, but then it looks like with two strikes, he kind of shortens up. I got him as a Josh Donaldson comp with the, uh, with the leg kick. And without it, when he kind of tightens up, he looks like Justin Upton to me. Um, he, he's got an average hit tool that could improve with a better approach. From what I see, he really likes to pull the ball. Um, if he could stay on it and, and uh, kind of smash it the other way, I think this guy's going to hit a lot of doubles. He's got a lot of speed. Uh, he was actually, I think he was, uh, he was drafted as a pitcher and position player, so he's got a great arm from the outfield. Um, so if you pair this raw power that I see in this uh, beach video with his plus speed, he's somebody I'm rostering in deep leagues for sure. Um, like I said, he's only played the six games, but he's super athletic. He's got tree trunk legs. He, um, he's just a big guy. Big guy, big uh, big legs, and if he adds 20 pounds to the to the top of that that uh, that mold, look out! I think. Um, 
I think the Rangers are going to keep him as a hitter, obviously, put him in the outfield. Um, he's a switch hitter as well, which is also a plus. And if uh, if everything clicks for this guy, I can see him jumping up into, uh, into I don't know, maybe top 150 dynasty prospect list with a good year at A-ball. Uh, he played some high school ball in the U.S. at uh, the West Nottingham Academy. So I don't know, a lot of people like to say that they're – there's a big transition when you come over from uh, from the international market to the U.S., but he's already he's already kind of jumped that hurdle, which is good. Um, so prospects 1500 to kind of compare where he is. They have him as Texas Rangers number 45 prospect overall. Uh, prospects live, he's unranked in their top 500. MLB.com, he's unranked as well. Um, He's not even on the MLB.com team page, top 30. So I kind of like, I kind of think of him as uh, as what the Cubs have in Brennan Davis is what he looks like to me. So that's my comp for this guy. In a couple of years, he could be up around that top 50 prospects uh, threshold where Davis is right now and have some pretty big helium. And he could be a guy you could trade for somebody or even keep. But Texas Rangers don't win anything. So uh, I don't know. He's not a winner, but he might be. He might be a good ball player. Blue Jays guy giving savage cheap shots to the Rangers. I love it. And you guys, you guys in Texas, you can't even take the cold weather. I so, love it. So uh, take that. Anyways, that's my guy. Batista's hitting back. Yeah, well, Udor is going to hit 180 this year and uh, show us all. <laughs> it's all part of Joey Bat's revenge, one way or the other. Yeah. Well, Joey deserved it. He went into second base looking for it. He sure did. Uh, okay, so what's the uh, what's the path to playing time for Bannister? It sounds like he's got the right fielder toolkit. Is he three years away? Do you think? Uh, yeah, at least at least three. Um, Texas is kind of lacking. I think they're going to do a rebuild. They're already kind of starting to. Uh, he signed with Maximo Acosta. So it would be nice to see those two come up at the same time. So, yeah, they have a cost of, what, two, three years away? Yeah, that's a good that's class nice. of J2s for sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm thinking he's going to come up around the same time as him, if, if everything clicks, right? Yep, and and the uh, speed that goes with this guy is also a little bit unusual for a power guy. Oh, yeah, he can run. I watched him do the 60. He's fast. He's, he's very – it looks like uh, – it looks like he's chasing somebody down. You know what I mean? Yep. He's uh, he's almost looks like an NFL player. Yeah, sick. Yeah, thick legs. And like I said, if he adds uh, if he adds some muscle to that top, look out. He's going to be hitting some uh, some tape measure shots for sure. Especially in Arlington, the ball flies. You know, switch hitter. I only saw him bat right-handed, so I'm assuming he's a natural right-handed hitter in the home run derby. I'd like to see him bat left-handed and see how he, how he hits against righties, but there's only video of him hitting lefty right or him hitting off lefties right now. Well, this is an interesting accident. We both chose switch hitters, mm-hmm. so I'll give a quick rundown of my guy. I chose Thomas Dillard in the Brewers system. Uh, I chose him for a little bit different reason. He's less likely to get helium, but he is closer to a debut, and with the way that the Brewers were previously clearing out uh, guys like Travis Shaw at first base, you would have thought that maybe he had a chance to a clear path at playing time at first base. They let Justin Smoke go. 
they seem to be letting these guys go in their 30s, and it looked like uh, Dillard, who was drafted as a catcher, had a better path to playing time at first, and now they've clogged that up again with uh, moving Keston over. So we may have to wait a little longer. Uh, Thomas Dillard has a sort of first base left fielder package to him. He's already thick. He's uh, a big guy, six foot two thirty. Uh, and what I love about him is that he's a switch hitting slugger. So he's got that sixty to sixty five power grade from both sides. Pretty unique uh, toolkit. Uh, probably less of a of a sort of a uh, glove that profiles as a uh, you know as an above average tool at all. He's he's really probably a uh, if he can make the the status of being a, a regular, it's uh, it's just an adequate glove, but that's fine. Uh, the the power is what's going to be his calling card, and and if he makes it into an everyday slot, it's going to be because of the power. Uh, I sort of uh, looking at his uh, uh, hit tool and and thinking about that future at maybe 250 to 260 average. I I sort of thought of him as a little bit of a a discounted uh, switch hitting Chili Davis as a comp and, and thought of him really like a, a guy who um, is really close to debut, sort of a sneaky uh, potential to pop even in 2021 because he played college ball and he's already 23 years old, I believe. So uh, I, I really love him for um, a near term uh, sneaky value in dynasty leagues. I have, uh, I have a lot of shares of Dillard. I have him in, in a few of our leagues together, Mike, and, and I think he's uh, because he was a college ball guy uh, could could make his uh, his uh, debut very very quickly. He's only risen to uh, to a ball on the minors, but obviously with the lost season in 2020, we don't know what he might have done at at Double A or or even earned a, a promotion above that. Um, he's already shown that he can take a walk. Uh, he's not a big batting average guy, but uh, just as an example, uh, the last uh, full season in, in 2019. He was still only hitting, you know, you know, 250 to 280 at a couple of levels. But the beauty of him is he takes a walk. So he had an on base of over 390. Uh, you know, if he can take a walk like that, he'll definitely keep his playing time uh, momentum going. Uh, that's one of the things I absolutely love about the guy. So, uh, you know, could be, you know, sneaky uh, left field kind of uh, playing time path for him if first base stays jammed up. Or, of course, this is the – perfect kind of profile for a National League DH if we're going to go uh, with lineups that keep one extra sort of first base type of slugger around. Dillard is just that kind of guy coming up in the Milwaukee system. So I don't think he's that far away from getting playing time. Uh, I think Fangraphs has an ETA on him of 2022. It's not hard to imagine uh, a, a guy who's, you know, a mature college ball kind of slugger making a a quick path to the majors. So I love Thomas Dillard, and, and I think he's going to be uh, a real surprise to a lot of people. Uh, on on uh, MLB Pipeline, he's Brewers 23, and um, and he's not ranked on the other big list, and not ranked on Prospects Live 500, for example. So I really think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Any nice. thoughts, Mike, on Thomas Dillard? Well, I'm just looking here. He's uh, I was looking at him last night, actually. Um, Stole some bases for a guy that only has a 35 uh, future speed grade. Stole <laughs> seven bases with those six home runs. That's pretty good. He's a he's a thick little guy, eh? Yeah, six feet, 230 yeah. pounds, and stealing bags. That's that's quite a bonus. 
Yeah, he really gives it his all when he's running. Um, I like uh, I like what you're talking about there with um, if the NL does go to a DH, uh, you're going to see a lot of guys like this maybe uh, get a chance. I think you you might have something there too. And Milwaukee doesn't really like to spend a lot of money on first baseman, so I kind of like the pick. Uh, yeah, I have to say too, uh, he was drafted as a catcher, and they took him out of the squad pretty early, so they didn't leave him behind the plate, figuring they could use that bat elsewhere, move him around, and, and he didn't grade out as a great uh, uh, defensive catcher anyway, so get him the playing time instead. Yeah. No, yeah, he's, he definitely has some power. So um, let's do over-under. Mike, do you think – how many seasons do you think he'll have in the majors with more than one stolen base? Dillard? Yeah. With more than one steal? If he makes it, um, I'm going to say six. Wow. Okay. We'll take that. He's 23 now, right? Yes, he is. So if he makes it by by the time he's 25, 24, oh, yeah, six for sure. Wow. We'll take that. For a slugger to chip in a stolen base or two, that's a huge bonus. We'll take that. Well, if he can keep getting on base at almost 400, I like that too. Yeah, I love the 400 on base. It's a that's a sneaky skill, and in a lot of the leagues that we're in, Mike, we're playing on base leagues, and and that's a nice little uh, bonus pop to get. For sure, uh, I like a lot of guys. I see you go after sometimes. Sometimes I'll look at your roster and I'll take a little peek at some of the guys. You always go after um, a lot of the guys that are that are high walk, close to close to high walk, close to like close to around the same amount of K's and walk percentage, and this definitely fits that mold for sure. Yeah, that, that seems to be uh, – it, it it haunts you a little bit in leagues like Kenny Powers where it's a batting average league where, you you know, you look for that kind of power tool that takes a walk. But uh, that certainly came back to haunt me last year. You, you notice I retooled my entire roster in Kenny Powers because I had too many Miguel Sano's sitting around Mendoza. Yeah, for sure. But that uh, those kind of guys will help you in a league like uh, Simply the Best where it's where it's a doubles plus triples is a, is a stat. The extra base power, right? I love that stat category too, where you want to change up a league a little bit, make it a little different than your other leagues, and so you throw in a wrinkle like doubles and triples in addition to home runs as a separate cat. And and you know, I I used to call that kind of the the Reyes rules, right? The Reyes used to hit all those triples, and you need to find some way to reward that kind of stat. Oh, for sure. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. We'll get right back to our episode after this quick break. The Unranked is brought to you by FigureFilbert.com. Check us out for discounts, coupons, and special offers for your baseball season. From big league merchandise to your little league team at FigureFilbert.com. All right, let's talk pitchers, Mike. Who is your unranked pitcher that's going to surprise? My unranked pitcher. Okay, this is an organization I like a lot better than Texas. Um, so I picked a guy. This is the guy I traded uh, Miguel Vargas for. He's from the St. Louis Cardinals. He is 23 years old, six foot one, 205 pounds from the Dominican Republic. In 2016, he signed for $25,000. His name is Angel Rondon. Um, he was added to the 40-man November last year. So he's been 
He's been up. He's pitching to Yadier Molina. That is one of my big things right now as well with him. Uh, my heart almost broke, though. I almost thought this guy was going to get traded to Colorado for Arenado. There was a bunch of rumors going around, and uh, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have thought so highly of him then. Obviously, <laughs> Colorado's not the best spot for if you want to go to pitch, but uh, would have been dumping down yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure. But uh, so he's already won the organization's top uh, minor league pitcher in 2019, or yeah, 2019. Um. The guy's got a great fastball. You go on YouTube right now, there's a video that was just uploaded a couple months ago of him. Uh, I think it's the Dominican League right now, and he is looking good. Um, they said a lot of people say he, he has problems with his control, but he's making batters look pretty silly in this video. There's only like four or five, four or five at-bats, but he's got a curveball that just makes you look silly. This fastball, he looks like he's spotting it pretty good. Um, I kind of tried to dive into a little bit of analytics with him, but I'm not the biggest analytical guy, but I kind of did my own thing here. So with scouts saying that his control is bad, I kind of did a little project of my own here where I took Shane Bieber from last year and he won the Cy Young for uh, the Cleveland Indians in the American League. So this really isn't a, an analytical stat, but it is for right now. So I took Shane Bieber through two... 1,238 pitches, and he threw 77 and one-third innings. Wow. So his pitches per inning were 16.08 for last year's Cy Young Award campaign. I also took a guy that I really like. Um, I'm sure a lot of people like him. He just won a World Series, Clayton Kershaw. I took his career pitches per inning. So Clayton Kershaw has thrown 35,000. 266 career major league pitches. He's thrown 2,330 career major league innings. Uh, his career pitches per inning is 15.14. So I took Angel Rondon's um, 160 innings where he won the organization's top uh, pitching prospect, and he threw 2,496 pitches in those 160 innings. So just under 2,500. Um, his pitches for innings was 15.6. So he came underneath both those two guys, which is which is pretty good. Like that shows me that his control issues really, I don't know, they're not that big of a of a deal in my opinion. That that's okay. an efficient innings basically, right? Is what you're, yeah. what you're pointing. Like, a lot of these things, a lot of these stats, I don't really understand to be honest with you. A lot of these numbers that I read on fan graphs about pitching. So that was just something that I broke it down simple in my own head kind of thing where how can I get a a better a better idea of how how this guy's innings are going. And yeah, there you go. So that's one thing I did. Um so in those 160 innings, he he was 11 and 7. He had a strikeout per 9 of 9.08. His walks were up, and this is where I think people are are saying his control is, uh, is a little low, but they were up around uh, three and a half or 3.34. He had a combined ERA of 2.71 with 59 walks and 159 strikeouts. So he's he's one strike. He's a strikeout per per inning guy. Uh, he only gave up uh, 0.73 home runs per nine that year, which is which is pretty good too. Uh, he's got a he's got a, I think he's got a plus fastball. It sits around 95, and it's it, 
it looks like he can control it pretty well. I don't know. Maybe minor league hitters are just kind of fooled on his breaking ball so much that they're they're not swinging and taking that for a ball. Um, but he's already on the 40-man roster, like I said. He's pitching to Yadier Molina. He's going to get innings this year. They have a lot of pitchers that could get hurt this year. Another guy on that team I like is uh, is Oviedo, who uh, who's come up with uh, Rondon. He's going to get some innings. He's on the 40-man. He's pitching to Yadier Molina. There's just a lot of pluses I like about this kid. Um, I think he's going to throw some relief to start. And like I said, if there's an injury, like, who knows? This guy could, could take off. Um, so MLB.com has him as, as actually pretty high. He has him as the number 12, but I think that, that has something to do with him being on the 40-man. Prospects Live, he's not even ranked in the top 500. Fan tracks top 300, he's not even ranked. Um, and, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I thought enough about him to trade Miguel Vargas for him this week after doing some more research on him. He's a guy I've had before, and I've traded away, and I've reacquired, and I've traded. I don't know. I just I can't get away from the kid, and I'm glad he did go to Colorado. So, yeah, that was, guy. A, that was a uh, real whisker from – going to the land of irrelevant pitchers, right? I mean, that's a tough Oh, God. I was, man, you know what? I My heart skipped a beat, but uh, it was good. Yeah. Good. This guy, he really has an interesting uh, batted ball profile. If you look at the Fangraphs page for, for Rondon, he doesn't uh, give up, you know, homers at a scary rate, and yet he's not a ground ball pitcher either. So... Uh, you know, he's not getting extreme ground ball rates going. It's, he is giving up fly balls. They're just not going out. So it's interesting he's able to prevent runs the way he is. He's getting, he's getting outs. Infield flies, I hope. Yeah, it looks like uh, infield fly ball rate, you're dead on. It's 27%. You know, if you get around 30%, you're, you're getting out of innings, getting out of trouble. Yeah, hopefully you can uh, – you can, but, I mean – there's a lot better hitters in the majors, you know. Yeah, we all know that. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see this guy throw this year for sure. Yeah, he was tracking towards a 2020 debut. If you looked at how he did in 2019, right? He got organizational pitcher of the year. He's 160 innings. You're going to throw 160. Yeah. Yep. You're 160 in. innings in 2019 is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were ready to to roll him out last year if things had gone better. Yeah, 100%. And that's the kind of guy in a deep league where, you know, everyone's rostered, every predictable name is rostered, and in August, when you have that starting pitcher go on the IL, it's a player like this who's going to pop and give you a, a few innings, maybe a couple of starts down the stretch where you've got your – superstar guys on the IL and you need something. This is the kind of guy that's going to do that. Exactly. And that's hundred percent why I reacquired him in Kenny powers, because I have, I have Marcus Stroman who didn't pitch last year. I have Clayton Kershaw who's rumored to, I don't know, maybe retiring soon. Hopefully not. Dean Kramer from Baltimore. I'm, I'm locking on the pitching. I got Felix Hernandez as a hopeful. I got Charlie Morton. Who's almost gone. Tanaka kind of screwed me over this year. I'm hoping Danny Salazar signs somewhere. I got a lot of question marks. So I have uh, I have Johan Oviedo, who I who I kind of mentioned there, is another another option in St. Louis as well. But I 
I really wanted to make sure I got a 40-man guy in Angel Rondon who has a chance to uh, to throw some innings in case, like you said, someone gets hurt because pitching is what's going to kill me in this league. Boy, I just I hate that example you just gave because it hurt me too. So in <laughs> Dynasty to be named later, I had Tanaka. Yeah. After acquiring him this winter, which just obviously came back to bite me in the ass. So I Yeah, I acquired him too. This year yeah. I got him too. It just it's so yeah. disappointing. But I understand it. Obviously he's going home and you can't uh, fault a guy for that. I gave up Chris Sale because I didn't want to wait on you know the potential for injury risk and got Greg Jones, Tanaka, and Belazovic. Now, obviously for me as a Twins fan, Belazovic saves that trade because I think he's going to be a stud. You know, in in prospect rankings, he was uh, he two years ago was kind of in that unranked category because people thought he was a, a string bean. He was six five and 170 pounds, and the prospect list hadn't caught up with the fact that he'd put 40 pounds on and was throwing 95. Right, so now Belazovic obviously has popped. Uh, but uh, that's the kind of, uh, uh, you know, helium that you get from a guy who, you know, went from two years, a name that no one could pronounce, to just about to make his debut. So, I, you know, I think that Blazovic is going to save that trade for me, but it was obviously disappointing to lose uh, one of the main pieces in the return for sale. Yeah, and uh, Canadians with those hard-to-say names. Hard to say names. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I like Blazovic. I like you. got I'm just looking at your team here. you got... Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty, uh, Freddie Peralta. He's got great, great numbers for a reliever. Um, who else? You got Josh James, who could uh, who could have a comeback here a bit. I like Hunter Brown in Houston. Palazovic, yeah, Catanero. You got some good. You got Logan Gilbert, Kyle Nicholas. I have Kyle Nicholas. Yeah, you got some good pitchers, man. I I'm not worried about your pitching in that league. It'll come around. Yeah, I think the pitching is the is the hallmark of that team. So speaking of, of that group of pitching prospects, one of the guys I have in every one of our leagues together, Mike, is my yeah. guy for this week, and that's Peter Solomon. And I think this is a great example of uh, guys on the 40-man that most people don't know anything about. And so uh, let me just give you a couple minutes on Peter Solomon because I think he uh, is going to show up in Houston this season. Here's why. Uh, he uh, went to Notre Dame and was in the rotation at Notre Dame with Brandon Belak, another Houston guy that uh, has made his debut and, and people know more about. He came up through the system with Corbin Martin, who's since been traded to Arizona and people know more about. And Solomon was really on par with those guys before he had his elbow injury. So he got derailed in 2019, uh, ended up having TJ and missed most of that year. And I think if that had not happened, this would be a name that was much more on a par with Belak and, and Martin, where people would be paying attention and looking for his debut. He, um, he's probably uh, uh, going to have to earn time uh, because of the injury and, and working his way back, but he really showed surprising numbers coming up through the Astros farm, was striking out at, at a rate of 10 per nine and, and um, really wasn't expected to necessarily do that, but he's, a little bit more of a command guy. So if he can put all that together, he's got a, a fantastic uh, a fastball-curveball combo. He's got a serviceable slider and a nice changeup. 
a really uh, the repertoire of a back-end starter if he can get a shot at it. I personally love this guy. He's already 24 years old, coming out of college and with the TJ. But getting added to the 40-man almost assures that, you know, during the, those summer months when the, when the roster is dragging a little bit and somebody gets hurt, this is the kind of guy that might get a shot. He's big. He's 6'4", 210 pounds or so. Uh, he, he has, he certainly has the repertoire of a starter. So if he gets a shot and he makes the most of it, he could stick at the back end of a rotation. The same way that I think Belak got his shot when was that? Like 2019 that Belak got a couple of starts in in the majors, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I look at Peter Solomon the same way as, as Rondon. He's a little bit older than Rondon, but, you know, coming through the Notre Dame rotation with those guys and, and uh, coming up through the system, obviously, with a great group of arms, he's the kind of guy that could, uh, could really surprise at the back end of a, of a rotation and, and really come through for a deep dynasty team uh, late in the summer when – You've got to replace some some injury innings, or you've uh, you've had to uh, make a trade for for an extra bat and give up an arm. Uh, I love him. I have 100% shares of Peter Solomon. I might be the only uh, person we know who who uh, would would it bank on uh, that kind of profile. But the you know the 40 man thing obviously helps. They're going to have to use him, see what he's got, and um, and I think we're going to see him in 2021 in Houston with the big club. So I'm excited about Peter Solomon. I think he's going to. Uh, he has the potential to be a swing man or a four or five kind of starter might end up being an up and down guy after we look at this a few years from now, but still has the shot to, uh, to earn a spot at the back. Uh, this is kind of the path that we've seen some late uh, arms come up through the, So if you look at Framber and the way that uh, Houston develops guys like that, they, they give people a shot and they've had some late risers. They've had a great track record developing arms. So although they've still got the obvious pedigree with Forrest Whitley, who we might someday actually see in the majors, uh, they still have just a ton of these arms coming. And you mentioned Hunter Brown. He's one of them. Uh, they've got Henley. They've got all these guys coming up through their system. They're just loaded with arms. So Tyler, I, I have a lot of faith in the system. Tyler Brown. Uh, I'm looking at Hunter Brown. I'm looking at Blair Henley. Tyler Brown, you have you took Tyler Brown in the STB draft, didn't you? Yeah, you have him in uh, Dynasty to be named later, I believe, too. Yeah, yeah, another yeah. big guy. But so I, I have a lot of faith, and, and this is part of the equation for me. I have a lot of faith in the way Houston develops arms, so I'm counting on their system uh, doing well for some of these guys. Uh, what do you think about? Let's first get your take, Mike, on the Houston arm factory. How are they doing it? How are they doing it? Yeah. I don't know. They're they're teaching. Seems like they're teaching spin rate pretty good there. Um, Verlander. I don't know what happened to him, but he's he's really good again. But he's he's not putting a pitch this year, is he? I don't think so. No, he's hurt, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at Solomon here. He threw 100 innings in 2018. He was on track to throw about 130 last year. So I don't think he's going to have a leash at all this year. I think you got something there for sure. Yeah, I think the TJ was the uh, was the derail event, but but yeah, you're right. He was he was tracking to be a back end starter type, and and hopefully he can get back on that track. Um, I don't know, but Houston's always had guys come out of nowhere like Dallas Keuchel. Um, Verlander turned his career around. I don't know how they do it, like Shooter McGavin in Portland. I mean, they must put something in the water. <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't know. I'm no. not. I, 
So we're saying that they're going to McGavin Solomon. I think they're going to McGavin Solomon, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think you're right. Put the McGavin stamp on it. Shooter. Shooter's turn. <laughs> well, that's it for episode one of The Unranked. On our next episode, we'll continue the conversation with Mike Regasis and get more into prospects were fading, people were buying low, and those were trying to sell high. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Unranked. Thanks for joining us.